Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief Washington Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. So Rick, uh, we have a lot to talk to today. We're going to be talking to the governor of Arkansas, uh, who I think is going to have some very interesting things to say. But 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 first, uh, a quick note on, uh, on something that, that we heard President Biden announce uh, just uh, just yesterday. He has moved up the date with which every American, every adult American uh, will be eligible for a coronavirus vaccine to April 19th, moving this up two weeks. I mean, this is really, first of all, you know, I mean, it's, it's a great thing. Uh, I know you, you, you've you gotten your first shot. I've gotten my first shot. I, I, I think I heard before the show started, Trevor Hastings, our executive producer, got his first shot. Uh, but but really an amazing uh, accomplishment. And I, I, can I read you from the lead paragraph in the New York Times about this story? Oh, go for it, yeah. Okay. President Biden on Tuesday moved up by two weeks to April 19th. His deadline, his deadline for states to make every American adult eligible for the coronavirus vaccination. That's what I just told you, right? Comma, listen to this following clause. Following the lead of states around the country that are already meeting that timetable. So <laughs> this was announced with a lot of fanfare. Uh, got a lot of coverage. Uh, our team uh, pointed out uh, shortly afterwards that, do, do, do you know the number of states that have already said that that is their timetable? Uh, that they would they would make everybody in their states eligible by by April nineteenth. There's fifty states, right? There are a total of fifty states 50, in, the, 50 in the United states. states. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was a candidate once who said fifty-seven, but but there's fifty right, states. Right. Right. And DC, District of Columbia, add them in there as well. Um, uh, what 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 are we talking? I don't know, probably like 47, 48, 49. Where 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 do we stand? So uh, so according to our team, forty-nine states. Forty-nine. Okay. Uh, and the the lone the lone exception was Hawaii. So, I mean, Biden could have restructured this announcement and said that he is uh, establishing a deadline for Hawaii, <laughs> but I guess it wouldn't have had the same the same impact. Is this leading from behind, John? Is this the, the throwback to the old Obama? I don't know. I mean, look, it's great. It's great for America. It's great, and and you know, when you're president, you take credit for for for, for successes that happen on your watch, uh, regardless of the role of your administration and. In, in, in making them possible, that happens with every president, so it's wonderful. I don't hold that against them, but it is just kind of funny that uh, you know that, that this this announcement was made. It got a lot of attention. People were you know touting it here and there, uh, and then we looked in the fine print, or in this case, the the second clause in the in the New York Times <laughs> lead sentence. It's like, oh, he's telling the states that they need to do what they're already doing. Under promise, over deliver. <laughs> Calling on the sun to rise tomorrow sometime between the hours of 6 and But, it, but John, like just to say that you know, so much of the Biden presidency is built on this, but the, you know things are getting better and you know he's got to guard against over optimism. The deadlines aside, uh, things are yes. feeling decent these days and uh, so much of the underpinnings of, of Biden's presidency built on that, they still get it. I think a lot of their um, a lot of their their problem now is is sort of people losing focus, uh, forgetting about this, or letting it letting it slide a little bit. Uh, so these deadlines can seem silly at times because they're not really deadlines because it's run by the states, as, as the president has learned. But uh, just about anything this this White House is trying to do is predicated on success against COVID. And and you see, and then there's a real pent up desire across the country to get life back to normal. There are obvious serious 
dangers out there, the new variants, uh, you know, Michigan is facing uh, yet another crisis in terms of hospitalizations. Uh, but you see, you know, I mean, uh, there was a lot of attention given to the fact that Texas Rangers uh, uh, played a game without any limits on, on, on who could be, who could attend. The, you know, the, the stands were largely filled. It was nearly a sellout. Uh, people were supposed to wear masks. We all saw on television that many of them weren't. But it's not just Texas. I mean, California, you know, Governor Gavin Newsom has said it's time to completely reopen. He has set uh, his own timetable to, to completely reopen uh, that state. Obviously, in New York, uh, uh, embattled uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo is, is, is moving aggressively uh, to reopen uh, uh, New York. You know, you know, you know where Florida has been. So, you know, there's a real desire. And, and, and obviously, the only way to really do this uh, safely is is to get most people vaccinated. So, um, but but there is there is this kind of race. It's the it's the uh, it, it's the race to vaccinate to reopen and and you know the uh, the 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 virus itself is 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 still out there and still evolving and still very much a threat. And John, you mentioned the Texas Rangers is interesting because they had that big sellout crowd and it kind of looks like a throwback. It's crazy to see that many people there together. But there was someone who wasn't there. Uh, Governor Greg Abbott was supposed to throw out the first pitch, but he decided uh, to send his regrets instead um, to send send a message to Major League Baseball. If you're going to if you're going to go move the all star game over politics, then guess what? Not all not all conservatives, not all Republicans have to frequent baseball games. Kind of a, a big a big stand, you know, for a party that's that's decried boycotts and cancel culture and all the like that uh, now you have a conservative governor and a lot of a lot of Republicans around the country saying, wait a second, these companies that are that are uh, weighing in on politics, maybe we need to boycott them. Yeah, so I thought that what we would do uh, is is give a little flavor of this because I, I noticed something. Well, I just want to play some of these conservatives um, pushing back against corporate America uh, or some of the largest corporations uh, in the country who have taken a stand against the, uh, the, the Georgia law. Let's, let's start with Mitch McConnell. This is what Mitch McConnell had to say about all that. My warning, if you will, to corporate America is to stay out of politics. It's not what you're designed for. And don't be intimidated by the left into taking up causes that put you right in the middle of one of America's greatest political debates. You know, Republicans drink Coca-Cola, too. And we fly. And we like baseball. Um, this is a pretty competitive political environment in America, as I just pointed out, a 50-50 Senate. If I were running a major corporation, I'd stay out of politics. He, he would stay out of politics if he were running a corporation, but uh, he's not running a corporation. He is leading the Republicans in the Senate, and he is simultaneously criticizing those corporations, but of course seeking donations uh, from those corporations. Well, he, he went on. He went on to say very specifically, "I'm not talking about political contributions, John." And for <laughs> yeah, you know, Mitch yeah. McConnell is, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, don't don't do that. I, and Mitch McConnell. We, we, Mitch McConnell has been a champion of the concept that uh, the corporations have a right to free speech, as you know. Uh, we yes. remember him um, as, the, uh, as the, the Supreme Court de uh, decision against McCain-Feingold. He has long been an advocate for, uh, for corporations to have a vibrant voice, but he, he will take the money, but he does not want their voice. And it's, I don't know how you read that as anything other than a warning. 
uh, from Mitch McConnell to, to these companies that are getting involved in a very major and striking way. I mean, I was, for one, was shocked to see the decision and the, the, the speed with which Major League Baseball moved. Um, the, the, the Delta and Coke and companies like that, they came, they came pretty late into the game after the law passed in Georgia. But baseball's decision to me was a potential sea change because that wasn't just a statement. That was an actual action that's going to have real consequences, economic consequences to baseball and to the Atlanta region uh, and to the image of baseball. And they decided there's really no way to be neutral because being silent is taking a position these days. Well, this will be very interesting seeing how Republicans can can go to battle against uh, against corporate America, essentially. Uh, so let's listen to how Texas Governor Greg Abbott put it. We have American Airlines, we have AT&T, we have Dell Computers, and we have others who have taken a position against the election law reforms we made in the state of Texas, where the CEOs of these companies and the leaders of these companies admitted they had no idea what the Texas law said or what the Texas proposed laws say before taking a position against it. They need to stay out of politics, especially when they have no clue what they're talking about. It's, it's really something to, 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 to hear this. I mean, you can hear it in Abbott's voice. He's quite exercised by this. Uh, and, you know, th- this, this did not begin with the Georgia law or the stand that these corporations are taking against uh, proposed changes in Texas. Um, this this began with the disaster that we saw unfold after the presidential election with the refusal of Donald Trump to accept the results and ultimately with what happened on January 6th. After January 6th, we heard uh, uh, from, uh, from companies who said that they were not going to be contributing to candidates uh, who challenged the, the, uh, the, the election results on, on January 6th, who tried to overturn uh, the electoral vote count. Um, it's interesting to see how all that plays out, but I, I, I mean, this, despite what McConnell was saying, this is about money in politics. Uh, let, let, let's do one more. Um, this is from the lieutenant governor of Texas, Dan Patrick. And all of these businesses in Texas, you know, it used to be where you came to the legislature to talk about policy that may have impacted your business, regulations, financial issues, tax issues. Stick to that. Because let me tell you something. You keep meddling in issues that people have elected Republicans or Democrats to address. You keep meddling in these issues without any understanding or even reading bills, and you're turning off 50% or more of your potential customers. You've meddled in a lot of issues lately. I'm not a big believer in boycotts, but people will make up their own minds. Again, these they're 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 taking it to the man, Rick. These are threats, I, and, and I think uh, Governor uh, Governor Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, uh, they they've been pretty explicit that next time a company comes to them asking for something, uh, maybe they're not going to get quite as much uh, of a response, and that that is. That's striking in business-friendly Texas. Uh, you know, tex- Texans love to tout the, their th- that business-friendly uh, atmosphere they have, uh, special tax treatments, you know, the favorable regulations. All of those things make Texas an attractive 
place. But there's a cost that companies now see in doing business in a place like Texas. So Texas is the next one up, John. As you know, the state Senate there has already passed a bill that's roughly uh, comparable to the Georgia bill. Uh, it's it, it's going to go through the process now in the, the House of Representatives, maybe even later this week. It looks like it's on a glide path to becoming law. And to me, this is where the rubber really hits the road, because uh, the Georgia action all happened after the bill was signed. The legislature is done there. They're, they're not going to go back and change it. But in Texas, it's still a live issue. It's also a live issue in Florida and Arizona uh, and a whole host of other states that have a lot of big companies that do a lot of big business. And the cost of doing that business is now measured in slightly different ways, both in terms of the blowback if you don't get involved and now the very real threats if you do get involved. And I'm sure you saw over the weekend, John, that President Trump uh, calling for a boycott of a, of a whole list of companies, uh, including uh, Major League Baseball, including Delta Airlines, including Coca-Cola. He was pictured, I'm sure you saw the picture on the internet, he was pictured with the Diet Coke on his desk the next day. So maybe it's easier, easier said than done in terms of a boycott. But uh, whether, whether it conservative- You don't want the guy to give up his Diet Coke. I'm just you? thinking I mean, if, you're, can't happen. if for that one day he could have switched to pep Diet Pepsi, just that one day maybe to send a message. But no, no it, 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 these are, it's hard to pull these things off. We haven't really seen it being successful in terms of a, a big conservative corporate boycott. Uh, I'm not clear that people are going to choose Pepsi or fly another airline um, you know, just, just because of the politics of this. That, that isn't there. But there is an irony there in, in conservative Republicans uh, threatening economic retaliation, threatening uh, increased regulations when it comes to a place like baseball, getting rid of their antitrust exemption, threatening uh, the, the, uh, less favorable uh, tax treatment, essentially raising taxes on companies, all to, what, own the libs? You know, I got to say, if, if you look at the, where, where the energy in the Republican Party is, uh, pushing these bills that, that, that are, you know, the Georgia bill was just one, uh, you mentioned Texas. You mentioned Florida. There, there are there are movements in 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 virtually all of the states that Republicans are pushing on so-called election reform. And let's face it, this is not really about reforming elections. This is this is playing into the myth that the 2020 election was fraudulent. Uh, and 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 here's our solution to fix a problem that didn't exist. Uh, you also see in state after state, uh, Republicans pushing issues. Uh, that, that, that target transgender people, uh, uh, transgender athletes, um, and, and, and the like. Uh, it just, it, it, it seems like there's a real risk for the Republican Party of becoming a party that is proposing solutions to problems that don't exist and, and is, you know, promoting uh, causes that, that, are, that are aimed at riling up and energizing uh, the, 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 the right wing of the party as opposed to becoming and, and, and playing the role of, 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 a, of, of the, the kind of loyal opposition to, <clears throat> to, 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 the, uh, to the majority party. Um, you know, Joe Biden is uh, pursuing now, as, as, uh, you know, pushing a, a major uh, two to three trillion dollars in spending uh, on on infrastructure very broadly uh, uh, defined, uh, talking about major uh, increases in in, in taxation uh, t to pay for those things, uh, those seem to be areas where y you would expect the Republican Party to uh, to be out there and be very active in the debate, um, and you know perhaps uh, reaching out to allies in uh, in, in in corporate America uh, in in making those arguments. Um, and, and, and certainly that is 
part of the debate that's going on, but the energy is on these other issues. And here we just played three key figures in the in the Republican Party who are, you know, there at the barricades railing against corporate America. It's a very it's a very strange time uh, for the party. So John, is 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 what you just synthesized, is that another way of saying that Donald Trump won that battle for what the party stands for. Because a lot of what you're talking about here, obviously the, 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 voter, uh, the voting rights reforms are born 100%. out of the big lie. These would not be happening without that. Uh, and you know, the, 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 the trans sports ban is something that I, I think uh, Trump was involved in a little bit around the edges. But the idea of, uh, of, of launching a political movement around slights, both real and often imagined and overblown, very, very Trumpy, it's isn't entirely it? Trumpy. The Trump takeover of the party uh, actually continued even after what we saw play out on January sixth. That's not to say that he's, you know, going to be the, the the nominee in twenty twenty four or that everything he says goes. But he, but he has he has rebuilt the Republican Party in his own image. And on that note, Rick, let's take a quick break and let's come back. Uh, to uh, a Republican who I think has got some some very interesting and perhaps surprising thoughts on this, uh, the governor of Arkansas. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Powerhouse Politics, and we are joined now by Asa Hutchinson, the governor of Arkansas. Thank you, uh, Governor Hutchinson, for joining us. Hey, it's good to be with you today. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, there are several things I wanted to we wanted to check in with you on. Uh, one is is uh, this uh, a bill that veto that was actually overridden a veto of yours that was overridden by the Arkansas legislature on a bill that would have banned uh, transitional surgeries and home home and hormone treatment uh, for anyone under eighteen uh, uh, in the state of Arkansas. Another one of these. Uh, bills that Republicans are pushing, not just in Arkansas, but across the country on the issue, uh, on the trans issue. I, I, I just uh, w- wanted to hear directly from you why you felt it was uh, important to veto this bill. Well, it's the only bill like it in the, in the nation in terms of having passed. Uh, it is overbroad, it is extreme, and it uh, is not fair to the young people who are struggling uh, in uh, their time of life uh, with parental guidance. It puts the uh, legislature uh, interfering with decisions that parents make uh, with the guidance of doctors. Now, uh, you mentioned uh, reassignment uh, surgery. I would have signed a bill uh, that simply uh, prohibited uh, those minors from getting reassignment surgery. We don't do that in Arkansas. That is not uh, the right practice. But the uh, other side of it, what, why it was overall broad, is that it included uh, prohibiting uh, hormonal treatment. And the worst thing about the bill is that it didn't have a grandfather clause. So it, we probably have uh, fewer than 200 that are undergoing uh, hormonal treatment now under the guidance of a physician and the parents. Uh, but uh, where does that leave them because uh, you're withdrawing that under this law? So a number of different reasons that uh, I vetoed it. I fully expected the uh, legislature to override it, which they did. Uh, and uh, it's just representative uh, to me that uh, we're passing laws that engage in 
uh, areas that uh, we don't we don't have any business getting into. We're interfering with a parent relationship. We're interfering with uh, the medical community. And uh, I think it was unwise that they did it. I hope that they can reconsider it. So uh, a broader question for you, and, and thank you for that. I, a broader question, though, is, is there seems to be a major push uh, by uh, Republicans across the country uh, to... to uh, on, on issues related to, uh, to to those who are transgender, um, obviously there, there seems to be a sense that there's a political uh, advantage in in, in targeting uh, transgender individuals. Uh, there was a you know push in South Dakota on on the issue of transgender uh, uh, transgender sports. When I I, I saw that. South Dakota, I believe, had only had, didn't actually have a transgender girl in in, in any high school uh, uh, athletic program uh, that that was known. So it seemed to be like these are solutions in, in in search of a problem in an effort to find a real a real wedge issue. Is what what is it? I mean, there are so many huge issues right now facing the country. Um, why is it that we see? Uh, Republicans getting wrapped up so heavily in this issue of, you know, of, of the, these transgender issues? Well, it's, it's uh, frustrating. Uh, part of it is driven by organizations that uh, are passionate about it, and those organizations uh, influence uh, public policy and the legislators. Uh, it's a uh, a belief that uh, the culture is shifting in our society and they're looking for ways to slow down that shift or to bring it back to what is in uh, their uh, worldview as to the right way to approach life. And so a combination of those factors, and, and I might add that, one, you're right, uh, many times it's uh, we're passing a law that is a non-existent problem. It addresses a non-existent problem, and I've always believed that if you do it in that fashion, you're going to have unintended consequences because you're not dealing with something concrete. Uh, and uh, so I think it's a, it's a bad policy. Now, uh, I have signed, as you mentioned, uh, uh, the girls in sport, uh, and you have to take each one of these separately in the girls in sport bill. Uh, said that uh, you had to be a, you could not be a biological male and compete in uh, girls' athletics uh, and girls' sports. Uh, to me, uh, that protects the integrity of the sport. I signed that, uh, but it did have uh, give people the impression that this was anti-transgender. Uh, uh, and then there was a medical conscience bill that said. Uh, doctors uh, in non-emergent situations can say there's not a, I have a religious or a personal conviction against a particular procedure. And to me, that's protecting the right of conscience, and I sign that. But at some point, uh, how many of these bills are absolutely necessary? And so when this third bill got to me, uh, I just said, we, this is not fair to uh, our young people that are struggling. Uh, it's not good policy. And even from a Republican Party standpoint, we've got to first think in terms of, of the government doesn't need to be involved in every decision. If we are going to be a party of, of a restrained government and 
a limited government, then we actually have to practice that at some point. And so all of them are tough decisions, but that's where I came down on it, and I hope Republicans across the country can rethink uh, this movement to uh, enforce social policy in every way through legislation. I don't think that's uh, where Ronald Reagan, I don't think that's where uh, the limited role of government uh, should be applied uh, in every instance. By the way, just one, one quick comment on that. I mean, let's just pause for a second and, and consider what you just said. Three separate bills in one way or another targeting the transgender <clears throat> issue, transgender individuals, reached the desk of the governor of Arkansas in a short period of time. I mean, <laughs> I mean, how, I mean how, how does that happen? And Jonathan, there's more coming. You know? There's more coming. There's more bills yeah. filed. And uh, it is worrisome that they can actually reach my desk again. So uh, our legislative session is not over with yet. So, uh, and that's the concern that if, if uh, from, a, uh, from a human standpoint and a compassion standpoint, and I do believe the legislators, even though they're introducing these bills, I think they, ha they certainly have a heart. It's just that uh, they want they put a higher priority on fighting the culture war rather than uh, thinking through in a more careful fashion and deferring to uh, the healthcare experts. Yeah, and, and on that point, Governor, I mean, the, the, the culture wars are, are not new as, uh, as either conservative or liberal issues, but the point you make about straying from conservative principle in, in service here, how do you see that Developing is it purely a function of these uh, of groups that are that are pushing it? I mean, these not to um, not to, to rub any salt here, but you know you were you were overridden. It wasn't even close in the in the legislature. A lot of Republicans in your state seem to think this is good policy, notwithstanding conservative principles. What what has happened to that that vision of conservatism uh, that that I know you over a long career in, in Congress and as as governor uh, were, were were trying to adhere to. Well, we've, we've veered from our uh, intellectual uh, concepts of a limited role of government. I remember uh, Bill Buckley, uh, who was an intellectual foundation for the conservative movement, uh, and then Ronald Reagan and how he uh, uh, viewed it. And, and obviously, uh, I'm pro-life, and so we, I sign uh, anti-abortion bills because it's about protecting life. But We've got into this where uh, we, uh, part of our base uh, is uh, cultural conservatives, social conservatives, uh, but then free economic conservatives, and uh, they, they collide sometimes. And we have moved more toward the cultural, uh, social conservative side, and we have veered from uh, that balance of a limited role of government. So, we need leaders that will step up and say, let's think this through and let's, let's lead and let's not just simply play to uh, the, uh, those that want to engage in every uh, cultural battle. You know, on the economic front, there's an interesting debate playing out that I'm sure you're, you've been tuned into. Your, your neighbors to the West are in the middle of uh, a debate right now over voting rights that has the, uh, the, the top Republican elected leadership uh, bristling at the idea that, that corporations, the major companies are, are getting involved in politics. I'm sure you, you heard uh, Governor 
Governor Abbott, um, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, just in, in the last couple of days, uh, essentially threatening all but threatening businesses: stay out of politics. Uh, next time you need a tax break or some kind of a some kind of thing to be to be addressed here, maybe we're not listening. Where, where does that fit into your mind uh, with 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 economic conservatism? We have calls for boycotts now among uh, Republicans, up to and including President Trump, and and again, not so veiled threats at, at economic retribution against companies that get involved in politics. I'm troubled by it. I don't like uh, what's happened in Georgia. It hurts uh, those people that uh, depend upon uh, the service industry for making a living. Whenever you see uh, the boycotts uh, and Major League Baseball all-star pulling out, uh, you can agree or disagree with the state's uh, uh, voting policies, but I don't believe that's where corporations and sports uh, should uh, fight the battle. Uh, I, I don't at all. And so, you know, in, in Arkansas, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the major corporations do have a concern about a reputation of a state and being in the national bullseye. Uh, that's understandable because I, you know, when we try to recruit a diverse uh, workforce, uh, these kind of uh, social bills have, a, have an impact, uh, an adverse impact. Uh, but I don't like... Uh, uh, you know, corporations and businesses trying to align uh, in a, a perfect social policy and to implement that because uh, that's not what they're designed for, uh, and I think it's uh, counterproductive. And you see, you see the uh, consequences of it and what happened in Georgia. Well, what about, what about from the other direction, though? I mean, it, 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 essentially, you, you've got boycott calls now from some Republicans as, as well um, against some of the major companies and a, a, a conservative backlash that some are trying to stoke against Major League Baseball. Is that appropriate as a response? Is it appropriate for, uh, for Republican leadership to say, uh, you know what, if you're going to get involved in policy, then um, maybe I won't be quite as amenable to the next time you have an ask for us? Well, I think you almost have to evaluate it that way. I mean, uh, you get pushed at, you got to push back. And, and uh, that's one of the uh, consequences of uh, corporate America uh, trying to define uh, uh, social policy and the direction of our country in that way. Uh, you know, they're yielding to a lot of pressures that they have, but uh, they have to understand how dangerous a path that it is. And uh, you're going to be fraught with inconsistencies uh, in their uh, corporate governance, uh, you know, how they handle things uh, like they do in China and the investments of corporations there. Uh, you know, here's the United States. I guess you could argue, well, this is, you know, their home country. They ought to be influencing it. And the Supreme Court has said corporations uh, can engage in political activities. So it's the, the, uh, the season is ripe to do it, but I just think it's unwise. And uh, but they have to understand there will be retaliation from the, those that are on the losers, on the losing side of, of a particular issue or an action that the corporation takes. So I think it's a dangerous direction uh, for corporate America, and uh, uh, it's we need to pull back from it. So uh, b before you go, Governor, I want to ask you uh, about about your role in the Republican Party, because it's interesting. I've known you <laughs> since you were a, uh, a freshman in the House. I remember your, uh, I remember your role in the, um, uh, in that, in the, in the impeachment uh, hearings uh, uh, and trial of, of, of Bill Clinton way back when. Um, 
and and you were you were known as one of the one of the real you know conservatives. Uh, you were certainly on the right of the of the Republican Party uh, when you were when you were a member of Congress, and you know, and, and I think that 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 kind of defined who you were politically. Uh, I've seen you emerge in recent months uh, as as somebody one one of the few prominent Republican voices uh, willing to push back and sometimes push back quite hard. Uh, against Donald Trump um, and against the kind of Trump takeover of the Republican Party, you didn't buy into the the election fraud allegations. You you uh, you recognized uh, Joe Biden as the president elect when 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 many others were not. Um, have you t- have you hit have you taken much blowback? I mean, you're you're in a conservative state. You're a red you know red 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 state governor. Yeah, have you taken heat for being willing to stand up to Trump? Sure, you take heat for. Uh, a position that you take that's contrary to the majority. Uh, uh, But that's what leadership is about. And uh, I've spent my life uh, building the Republican Party here in Arkansas and nationally. And uh, I think its principles are important. Uh, And people know me, uh, as you said, Jonathan, I've been a conservative for a long time. And my conservative record is... uh, is, uh, is pretty good whenever you look at the tax cuts that we've had, the private sector growth that we've had in Arkansas, uh, the uh, steps that we've taken uh, to uh, protect life. And so it's a pretty conservative record and people know that. Uh, I wanna use uh, the uh, political uh, capital that I have to help shape the direction of our country in a positive way. And uh, we're at a defining moment. We're always at a defining moment in our history, but uh, for our party, uh, we've got to get back to the basics. We've got to get back to some uh, those limited government principles, and uh, we've also got to get back to broadening our base and not narrowing it. That's what politics is about, and uh, if we're not careful, the Republican Party is going to find itself shrinking rather than expanding. So, so you you are term limited. So you will you cannot run for re-election. Obviously, Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, is one of the <clears throat> perhaps the most prominent candidates, saying already she's, she'll be running next year. Um, what, what what's your future, and what do you make of her of her candidacy? Oh, she's uh, in good positions. Uh, she's uh, obviously uh, leading uh, in the polls that are out there. She does have uh, an opponent, uh, Leslie Rutledge, who is our attorney general. So there's a, a primary contest, and I'm staying out of that, uh, I think wisely so. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's going to be a conservative governor that follows me here in Arkansas. And as for me, uh, uh, I spent a lot of years in the private sector, and uh, I enjoy that side of it. But I also uh, am very concerned about our country, and I hope there's opportunities that I can help shape uh, our country's future, and uh, also the debate that we go, as we go into 2022. So, uh, uh, I I expect to be engaged. All right, Governor Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas, thank you for joining us on Powerhouse Politics. Great to be with you today. Thank you. Thank you, Governor. Appreciate it. And that is all the time we have for Prowess Politics. I want to thank our incredible team, Adia Robinson and, of course, Trevor Hastings, the chief executive. Uh, Thank you for listening. We will be back next week.